Good morning, Redeemer Church. Last week, you may recall that we did a short segment on the fact that I have gotten to marry four different couples from our church since coronavirus started. Then, John Krasinski, in his Some Good News, shamelessly copied us and married a couple on the web show. But, as far as we see it now, he copied us, we originally copied him, and per playground rules, we are square. And with that little bit of legal wrangling out of the way, it is now time for some insight and some good news on The Redeemer Report. Recently, the final week in our distance learning and Teacher Appreciation Week coincided. I have four kids in my distance learning classroom and the teacher appreciation gifts are starting to arrive. Shannon! We just, we just got square with John Krasinski and the whole playground rule wife swap thing. Oh no! What are we gonna do now? Speaking of school, we would like to congratulate Barb Albritton, Julie Dahl, and our MCP Redeemer teachers for having a wonderful first but shortened school year. In a recent survey, 100% of MCP teachers indicated that they are extremely excited about next school year so that they can teach your children and not their own. <laughs> Tiffany Mathis was stoked to find a baby fig from a cutting she grew from her granddad's land this last week. I've been seeing some baby gray hairs in my head, and I understand I got these from my grandfather as well. Maybe, is it, you got baby, baby gray hairs? She got those from her grandma too. I understand that everybody's getting a little bit more touchy about their appearances these days, but the silver lining is that the standards of beauty are changing. Sunday's best, for instance, no longer means a three-piece suit or an itchy dress. Now it just means sweatpants without the holes in them. And dress shoes are now a pair of slippers that the dog hasn't chewed. As the group's coordinator here at Redeemer Church, I understand how frustrating it can be to still be apart from each other. But some growth groups are finding new ways to maintain relationships and practice social distancing. One group started a water balloon war. After doing a cost-benefit analysis and determining a much greater 2020 ROI on water balloons over teepeeing friends' houses. Finally, has quarantine given you a false sense of your own ability to do tasks you used to pay someone else to do? For more on that, we'd like to throw it to Mary Lee for a segment we call Nailed It! COVID edition. Nailed it! Thanks, David and Shannon. Now we asked Redeemer and you delivered some of the best fails we have seen this quarantine. We've all tried new recipes over the last several weeks, but let's take a moment and say a prayer for this pot, which seems to be ruined because a key ingredient, some sort of liquid, was left out. Nailed it! Also, a moment of silence for these cookie bowls. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that raw cookie dough trumps burnt cookie dough any day of the week. Yeah. Next, Dina Bugle got a little bit ambitious while the groomers were closed and decided to groom her own dog. 
And well, as you can see, expectation does not always mean reality. Nailed it! And finally, from my very own family, my brother-in-law was getting a little shaggy several weeks into quarantine, and so his wife took it into her own hands to give him a haircut. And well, see for yourself. Nailed it! I think she'll stick with engineering. Ooh. Keep trying new things so we can keep the congregation entertained. That's our motto. In this next segment, a bunch of people tried some new things and we think it's pretty entertaining. You can't touch this. 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 in from our faux legal team. Thanks to Shannon's stunt earlier, some good news will probably not actually file an injunction because we are, quote, too legit to quit. Yeah! We'll see you next week on The Redeemer Report. Hey everybody, good morning. Uh, I am David, MC Hammer Aspiree, and also uh, get to be the pastor here at Redeemer Church. So glad that you guys are joining us for worship. Actually, just like to jump right into it today. Why don't we go ahead and pray before we get ready to hear God's word. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much uh, again for this day, for the chance to come. Uh, and worship, even if it's different than it has been before, even if it's different than what we would want, Lord, we are still before you now. We still are going to open your word and ask you to speak. And Lord, we know that you are in the work of changing hearts and minds right here and right now. And so we open hearts to you. We ask you to speak words of life and love and encouragement to us. We ask that the Holy Spirit would come and, and convict us, Lord, as we need to be convicted. We ask that by your power, Lord, we would know your work in our lives. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, today, we are finishing up 
the last week of our series, Jesus Changes Everything. And if you've been with us through these last weeks of this, of this series, I really hope that you've had a chance to, to just take a few moments and reflect on everything that you've heard, to really take a few moments and, and just open your heart to the work that Jesus can, can do. Right? I, know, I, I know this. I want you to know that it's true, too. In these moments of uncertainty and fear and anxiety, like Jesus can change that by stepping in and bringing peace. He really can. And in these things that coronavirus has, has revealed through the pressure that comes down on our lives in so many different ways, like Jesus can change that too. What corona reveals, God can heal. And, and, and we have done this series all these weeks because we need to hear that. And we deeply need that hope. And we need it now. And I think the truth is we're actually going to need it in the weeks, in the weeks to come. Uh, I had a moment this last week. Uh, I imagine some of you have had these kind of moments too where I heard something and I, I got kind of caught up in, in this overwhelming sense of, of concern, of, of fear, of frustration and anger. Uh, it happened actually when I was watching the news and I heard the report that the Texas Educational Agency is looking at alternative approaches and calendars to school in the fall. For me, that was tough news. I'd, I really did not want to hear that. Um, uh, because um, for me, I have really been hanging my hat on this hope that by the fall, with the start of school, like we'd get a, a bit of a reset. Like we would get to kind of start uh, again, that things would come back to some semblance of normal. And sure, like it would be different. There might be, you know, some adaptations to things. We'd probably smell a little bit more bleach around us, right? But my hope, even if it's been naive, it's been my hope nonetheless that we would be able to like, the fall things would end up being back in a more normal way. Um, and I mean, it seems reasonable, right? Like August is what, three months away and we've been at this for since mid-March, right? And, and, and so when I was sitting there in my living room and I heard this news, you know, oh, the Texas Educational Agency is thinking about this and this, and I was thinking about how we might be home again with the kids trying to do online school, like how like things would still be a mess. It just, I just didn't want to hear it, man. It, it really made me mad. And then I got, I got frustrated and anxious and a little bit overwhelmed and I found myself kind of just then vulnerable to that downward spiral of thoughts as all the other bad news that continues to rush at us kind of came in, right? With like we, what we don't know about the virus and this new thing about kids and multi-inflammatory system and syndrome and, and you know, all the things in the economy, I just, it just comes at you again and again and and. I got out of that moment, but I stepped away from it, and I thought to myself, you know, I wish that this was the only time that that, that has happened, but it hasn't been. I'm sure you've had many of those moments. 
Uh, I, I thought to myself, I wish that this was an isolated incident and like I could just look at the future and say, oh, you know, they're just planning ahead. You know, it's going to be all right. Like we're going to get, we're going to be past this soon, right? But, but the realist in me, as, as I'm just watching all this, says, you know, I, I, I think I'm probably going to have a lot more of those moments in the weeks and the months ahead. The realist in me says COVID is probably far from over, uh, even as life is beginning to change. Uh, what the realist in me says is we really don't know what the future looks like, and probably like these gut punches of bad news are going to keep coming and coming, and we're going to be vulnerable to this spiral. And so the question that, that kind of came up in my mind, just as like, as, I, as especially as I spoke to you guys today in this last, this last message, Jesus Changes Everything, is how do, we, how do we continue to have this buoyant hope that holds us up when there's going to be so many things in the weeks and months to come that are going to keep gut-punching us and trying to bring us down, right? It's going to be hard, right? How, how are we going to hold on to this, this hope that we have in Jesus to, to let it keep moving us forward, to build faith when there's going to be so many forces working against that, 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 that hope in, in our regular lives? And, and that's what I want to say today. I, I want to give you some thoughts. Actually, we've been having thoughts on this for quite a while. In fact, I think very timely, we had this series in the fall, Anxious for Nothing, we talked about Philippians 4, 4 through 8. If you have not memorized it, I urge you, it will, it will speak to your soul. Two things came to mind from that series. When you get trapped in a downward spiral, you stop it by prayer. You tell God exactly what's on your heart and mind, and, and, you, and it arrests that spiral, and it mo- lifts your head up. And that's the second thing. It says at the end in verse 8, those things that are good and excellent and praiseworthy and true, fix your mind on those things, on the things above. Th- that was two ways that we can really respond to bad news, to that anxiousness, that overwhelmingness that comes. But today, I really want to give you a, a different kind of approach by actually introducing you to a psalm. I want to, to teach you a song, not uh, the instructions of Paul, but the words that people have sung for years in moments of overwhelmingness and anxiety. We're going to look at Psalm 121. And if you want to turn there in your Bibles or get there on your phone now, uh, please do that. I'm not going to give you a full seminary level background on it, but I I do want to give you some context because it's relevant. Psalm 121 is part of a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And these are actually songs that pilgrims from all over uh, the ancient Near Eastern world that were Israelites would, would, would know and sing on their way to Jerusalem for annual festivals. They would travel in big groups together, uh, coming from all over the place, and on their way to Jerusalem, because there wasn't iPads or a radio, They'd just be walking with each other and they would sing songs. And that's where a lot of these psalms kind of come from. They they would be walking on a plane and singing uh, a psalm. They would be going through hills and groves and singing a song and they'd be ascending up mountains, specifically these songs of ascent, and they'd be singing these songs. And it's there that I want to go ahead and read you the words of our psalm for today. 
I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. You know, Psalm begins talking about mountains, and for us, when we think about mountains, many of us are probably thinking mountains are just this beautiful view, this incredibly like peaceful thing comes to mind when we think about mountains, something serene, calm. Mountains are Thomas Kincaid paintings that say, uh, I lift my eyes to the mountains, right? Uh, and and that, well, that's our reference point. One of the things that's really kind of important to know is that in the ancient Near Eastern mind, they didn't really have peace and serenity when they looked at mountains. In fact, the connotation was very different. They had a, probably a sense of turmoil and fear when they, when they approached mountains. And that's because at that time, Uh, mountains were a place of danger. They were a place of physical danger. As you ascended one with a a steep face and a sheer cliff, with your family trying to move things, right? That was a dangerous situation. It was also uh, dangerous in the enemies. People who wanted to cause you harm often uh, hid in the mountains and behind crags and hills and places you couldn't see them. Going through a mountain pass was a very dangerous thing. Uh, and, and in war, uh, enemies would come up through mountain areas to flank you, right? And so, instead of what we usually envision when, when you know, the, the average Western mind, American mind, reads this passage, I lift my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? That's not a statement, right? What's actually happening is that this writer is looking at, at a daunting mountain in fear, he, he has uh, overwhelmingness. He's got concern about what's ahead of him. And it could be very much fear of a physical mountain. Like he's got a pass, right? Like an American pioneer looking up over the Rockies, right? But it, but it also could be a metaphor very much for some sort of fear that, that is, that's working in his life, right? Fear about uh, what... what uh, the nation that's that's in in trouble. We talked about that in Habakkuk. Fear about uh, the his job. Fear about his marriage. There's all kinds of things that that he could have in mind here, and he's looking at them. He's looking at this mountain, and from the overwhelmingness of that anxiety, the intensity of what he's facing, from there he pens these words: "I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from?" It's a question mark. I'm facing a problem. Where am I going to find help? And it's from that question that a response immediately wells up in, in his heart and mind. 
And actually, I want to read it together. I'm going to read, I want to say it together. I'm going to read the first part of the question. I want you to speak back to me with the response, okay? I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Good. I'm assuming you did that. Thank you. Uh, but So he, here's this guy, again, in this low place. He's gotten this gut punch. What pulls him out of it? His, his, this thought of God, this remembering of God. And you'll notice in, in the text, Lord, the word Lord there is actually in all caps. That's not an accident. It's not just for emphasis. What it means is that that word Lord is actually a translation of, of the personal name for God, which is Yahweh. This was the name that God revealed personally himself to the nation of Israel when he said, I, I, you will be my people and I will be your God. And so what, what this, this writer is doing is he's not just calling out to any generic God here. He's saying, the maker of heaven and earth, I know him personally. My God, I, I know who he is. I know what he's like. I know his character. And I, in this moment of help, remember who he is, remember that he comes for me, and, 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 I, and I will lean into who he is. I will, I will, I will start to trust in him. And, and it's really the first thing that, that jumps out to me as I think about these moments where we get down and we're vulnerable to being trapped in this overwhelmedness. Like, one of the first things you and I have to do is, is to remember God, and not just, not just God who's up there and out there, right? This is, this is when that personal relationship that we have with the living God matters so much. We, don't, we, we call out to the God we know, to the God we've learned to trust, who's revealed his character over time to us. We, we cry out to that God and say, I need you. Now my help comes from you, Lord, my Lord. And then what we do is what the psalmist does here is he brings certain things in the character of God to mind that, that inspire and lift the hope in his heart, that build his faith. Here's, here is the first one. Here's the first one. God, he says, I know you are always working for my good. God, I know you are always working for my good. Really, that idea comes out in this, in this psalm in the next two verses, three and four. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber, right? Anybody um, right now watching The Last Dance on ESPN, this 10 documentary episode series on uh, kind of the Bulls and their six championships and more, uh, more so Michael Jordan and, and kind of the backstage uh, pastor's life. Man, I grew up in Illinois in the 90s, a basketball junkie. I, was, I remember every game of almost all six championships. When all that's on is ESPN Classic, it doesn't get much better than this for me, okay? I am loving The Last Dance, um, and this week I watched the episodes where if you know, if, 
if you know about Michael Jordan's career, you know that he actually retired after winning his first three championships. His, his dad actually was killed. He was extremely exhausted. He took two years off, went and played baseball, allowed the Houston Rockets to win a couple championships. Thank you, MJ. Uh, but he came, he came back in that second year and... Um, Actually, at the end of the year, right before it was time for the playoffs, and the Bulls got into the playoffs, and they actually ended up losing to the Orlando Magic. And, and they were showing that game, and at the end of the game, Jordan got the ball stolen from him. He didn't play great. And, and, they, and they lost at home at the, at the United Center in the Bulls stadium, and Jordan was just seething. Like, you, it, he had this incredible intensity at the end of that game. Uh, he, he didn't have like flashes of anger. He just had this burn in his eyes. And, um, and, and that's what kind of, as you follow the documentary, you, you realize made him such an incredible competitor, the greatest of all time. It's that, uh, it's that he just, he had this fire and he hated to lose so much. And, uh, and he would always be working uh, especially after those losses, like you could beat him, but then he'd turn it against you and come at you harder the next time. The trainer asked him after game six, you know, you know, let me know uh, when you're ready to start working out again. <laughs> that same night he says, I will see you tomorrow, right? And, uh, and you know, uh, Wall, it's terrifying to have someone like that uh, playing against you. And it was, man, that comes out in the documentary. Uh, what is, what's really nice is to have that person on your team. And that's what these bold players are saying. We had so much confidence that Jordan was on our team and always working and always moving forward, okay? And look, I know this is cheesy, okay? But what I'm saying is Jesus is like Jordan, okay? Even better. Uh, that's what the psalmist is saying. God is always working. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He never stops working for your good, for my good. He's always doing it. That's why Romans 8.28 is such a beautiful promise, especially in times like we're going through, right? And we know that in all things, God what? God works for the good of those who love him, right? That's what you have to call to mind to stop that cycle, to, to, to end the fear, to you, you recite those words, God, I know that you're, you're working for my good. We've been singing this song, Waymaker, another song that calls it out. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. When, when you have that moment over the next weeks and months to come, call that truth to mind. Say, my God, I know that you're always working for my good, okay? Here's the next thing that comes out. God, the psalmist says, I know you watch over me. God, I know you watch over me. And actually, this is really the main thought of the rest of this entire psalm, that God is, is with him, that God is, is making, uh, making a ways for him to be safe, that God, as he walks over this mountain, is guarding and protecting him. Psalm 121, verses 5 through 8, the Lord watches over you. He's the shade at your right hand, and the sun will not harm you in the heat of the day. 
nor the moon in the darkness will not harm you by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over you, all your coming and all your going, both now and forevermore. Right? That's what he says. He protects. He's protecting you. And um, man, have you all seen any of those videos that show how quickly uh, coronavirus or any virus really is able to spread in some sort of social situation? Have you seen those videos? I saw one this week where they did this kind of simulation in uh, Japan where they gave this person like this fluorescent kind of stuff and like simulated him coughing onto his hands. Uh, And then they went and kind of spent 30 minutes eating at a restaurant, getting some food, sitting down with friends. And they turned the light off and showed everywhere that had been touched, contaminated by this fluorescent stuff. It was everywhere. It was shocking. I mean, uh, not only did this guy have this like big blue fluorescent thing on his face, right? It was on his hands. It had like, gotten in random places. It had gotten onto um, even a couple other people on their shirts and stuff. And it's, it's just kind of jarring, right, to think that that could happen that fast. And, um, and you know, maybe the first gut reaction that many of us have when we saw something like that, if you've seen it, it's like, nope, I'm not going anywhere ever again. I'm staying at home. You know, you, you, you do you. I'm not going to get fluorescent junk of you on me, right? Um, <laughs> and, I, and I get that, okay? Um, but can I offer another thought as well alongside of it? When, when I see that and I think about how that's going on all the time in so many situations long before coronavirus came, it also just makes me say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we are as healthy and as safe as we are, right? Like, there are so many things that I have never even thought about before that just happen going about, you know, living my life where I go to the grocery store and touch a gallon of milk and some food and put it back, right? Uh, and get grab an apple, right? And then I touch my face in 16 places, right? And then my kids are there, and I don't even want to talk about that, right? Like, that is that's just so many opportunities for, for things to happen. And really, there's viruses and bacteria everywhere. And so when I, when I hear that, what I think is, I cannot believe how healthy we are so frequently. I'm thankful for this incredible system of immunity that God built in us, that protects us from those kind of things. I am thankful for the doctors and nurses and one of the best medical care systems in the entire world, right here in our own community. And in all that, what I'm saying is I agree with what the psalmist is saying in these verses. God watches over you and me. I I don't, I, I really don't understand how that always works out how sometimes he steps in. I, I don't understand always why sometimes God doesn't, right? But I am certain through, through just a, a greater understanding of the world and through actually real undeniable experiences of being, being spared in my own life and the life of others that God does watch over us, that, that he protects us. And, and if you are a person and, and that is feeling the, the health concerns of this, like worried uh, about what this virus could do to you or something else, this is, this is what you need to call to mind. You need to say, God, I know you watch over me. 
God, I know you protect me. God, I know you are with me in my coming and my going. Lord, uh, watch over me. Say that to, my, to yourself over and over again. Lord, uh, you watch over me. Watch over me. Call that truth to mind. Tell God to do it, man. That will keep you buoyant when you start to cycle down. Okay, here's the last one. Last one. God, I know you bring your church around me. God, I know you bring your church around me. You know, there's a really interesting, subtle thing that happens in this psalm that you probably don't see until you start looking for it. Um, and it's that there's a shift in the voice, in the person being used throughout the verses. It begins in the first person. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Right? Then there's the answer. My help comes from the Lord. That's me. My head, my help. Right? Verse 3, the next verse, it says what? We're not speaking. We're suddenly being spoken to. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So the person was speaking to themselves, the Lord is my help. And now, suddenly there's someone speaking to him, trying to bring him confidence, right? I, I, uh, I'm walking up this mountain. I'm scared about this path I'm going through. And I need this voice behind me telling me he's with me. He's, 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 he's around me. God protects me, right? Uh, you know, this last summer, we went as a family to a pool, and there was a diving board, and uh, one of my sons uh, decided to go up to the top of it, and he said to himself, I, like, I didn't hear him say this, but I could see it, you know, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to jump off this board, it's going to be awesome, right? And so he climbs up the top, he gets to the end, and he freezes, right? I, I remember that moment as a kid, I bet a whole bunch of you do too. How did, how did he get back down? Well, uh, I, as a dad, uh, and I'm sure some of you parents have done this too, I was like, okay, David, you need to coax this kid, right? Son, I'm there. You're going to be okay. It's not that far. I'm right here next to you if anything happens. You can do it. You can do it. And, and I'm pretty certain that he would have backed away and climbed back down had I not been there, but but... I've experienced this. I know you guys have too. When you have that voice kind of walking you through, reassuring you, suddenly things that are, are really hard on your own get a lot more doable. And, and that's what's happening here, right? Here is these group of pilgrims headed to Jerusalem, maybe looking at a mountain, right? We can, we can make it. Where's my help come from? It comes from the Lord. I know I, I, I can trust the Lord. And then suddenly the voices of the rest of them God's church, right, comes around and says, yes, God's with you. He won't let your foot slip. He doesn't sleep nor slumber. He is protecting you. He's watching over you, right? And, and what I want to just say is I know this truth that when we are in those anxious moments, those overwhelmed feelings that we have, we need the voice of someone else to pull us out of them. We need, we need the kind, beautiful voice of someone to lead us towards Jesus and move us through them. And, uh, and, and, you know, the question that I just want to say is, who are those people for you, right? Who are those people that, that are speaking you through this? 
And, and I want to say that's what, that's what the church is for. That's what, that's, that's what the, the community that we call Redeemer exists for. It's so important not just to show up to church as if you could even do that right now, right? It's, it's even more important to know people and to walk alongside people. That's why we just got done with six small groups that met on Zoom to study when happiness happens, to encourage one another, which is where happiness actually comes from, each other, right? This is why we, we emphasize growth groups, so we're walking alongside. And if you have a time where you're up at the top of the diving board, right, somebody can come alongside you and, and, and talk you talk you to where you need to go, right? That's why if you're overwhelmed with kids or, or school or trying to manage all the things, right, we have people. Call Nikki, our children's director. Call Thea, our family pastor. Call Wendy, our student ministries person. That's why we're here praying. That's why we're going to end this service in prayer because if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. And, and we, we're not just doing that to be nice. We want to encourage you, want to walk, walk beside you. And, and friends, if you, really, if you really open your heart to those things, if you, if you allow people to get in, I, I am so certain through those people leading you to Jesus, Jesus can change everything. Praying that for you. Let's go ahead and pray as we close. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for, for this time for the words, the beautiful words of this psalm. I pray that this wouldn't be just now that we know about Psalm 121, but Lord, you would knit some of those words in our hearts. We would hear the things that, you, that, that you've spoken, the promises that we have in you. And Lord, if we need prayer, if we need to, to, to share with someone, would you, by the power of your spirit, give us the strength to just do that, to say, I need to talk. Lord, or, or would you put someone on our minds that we need to talk to as we walk through this? And Lord, in the weeks and months to come, let your church be the church. Let us follow you. Let us trust you. Let us, let us, Jesus, lead others to you. And these things we pray in your name. Amen.